You ready for the word this morning? Excellent. I'm ready to give it. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12, out of the easy reading version, the ERV, <laughs> easy reading version says this, in Christ we come before God with freedom and without fear. We can do this because of our faith in Christ. Let me read that again for you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, the easy reading version says, In Christ we come before God with freedom and without fear. And we can do this because of our faith in Christ. This morning I'm going to start a series about overcoming fear. Overcoming fear. Overcoming fear. I believe that We've been talking for a long time about community engagement, about how we reach the lost, how we can be a friend to those who don't have friends, about reaching the people that don't have hope, who don't have Christ. And sometimes we have this thing in our hearts and in our lives that we don't speak up because, well, what would people think about me if I said something like that to them, if I, if I prayed for someone? Those responses are in part based in fear because we're more worried about what someone will think about us than actually doing what God's asking us to do. And I think it's time that we overcame some fear. You okay with me with this? You're getting it anyway. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for the, the power of your word that, that liberates and brings us into freedom. I thank you that you love us so much. And you provided so much for us. Help us to realize the true extent of your love. Because perfect love casts out all fear. Father, in the name of Jesus, take these words that I speak and bring transformation to people's lives. Where we can see the absolute um, obliteration of all fear in our lives. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the first words that the angel said after Jesus rose from the dead was, don't be afraid. The, words that Jesus, the first words that Jesus said after he rose from the dead was, don't be afraid. The first words that the disciples heard Jesus speak when he appeared in their midst was, don't be afraid. I think that God is trying to say something to people in the area of overcoming fear in our lives. And it is just as relevant to us today as it was back in the time that Jesus walked the earth. I think that there's areas where, you know, if we were to, to say, just put up on, on the screen up here, all of the projected fears that we have, all the things hidden in our hearts that we're afraid of, or, you know, we're just, you know, all that sort of stuff. What would be up there? Would it be the fear of losing our job, the fear of losing our marriage, the fear of losing our children? Is there, is there a health fear? You know, you're waiting on some test results to come back and there's this big C word, the cancer word that we're, we're, we're really in fear of that the doctor is going to say to us. 
a young son once asked his father, he says, Dad, are you afraid of spiders? No, his dad said. He said, are you afraid of thunder, of ghosts and of robbers? His dad said, no. He says, then I guess mum's the only one you're afraid of. (laughs) And then there was silence. We call fear by many names. We call it worry, tension, anxiety, stress. This is true. A study was done of over 500 people, and they discovered that in those 500 people, there were 7,000 different fears resident in those people. That is 14 different fears per person out of that group. Fear is a big issue in our culture. Fear is a big issue in our society. Fear is a big issue for the people that we live next door to. Fear is a big issue in our lives if we're real. I know I have fears. I can't stand heights. I have a fear of heights. Just can't stand heights. What is that? In, in part, it's actually based in a lack of trust in God. Because I don't trust that God's going to keep me safe and he's going to sustain me and I'm not going to fall. See, I, I thought about this a little bit. Only a little bit because I didn't want to stress myself out. You okay? Church, you can smile. All right? What do we know about fear? Here's some things about fear. Okay? Fear is actually contagious. You can catch it from other people. I've, I've said this story a number of times in the past, but when I first graduated from the police academy and I was walking the beat, there was me and another guy that was actually in my course together. We were walking the beat together. I mean, we were new, okay? Just just been released, got early release for good behaviour in, in the police academy and we're walking the beat. And we're on afternoon shift and we get this call to go to the old ABC radio building that used to be in Highmarsh Square in the city of Adelaide. And we get the call that there's uh, drunks and, and people down on their luck and stuff living in this abandoned building in, in Highmarsh Square. So we had to go and investigate it and then to remove the people. So my, me, me and my partner are walking through. It's pitch black, okay? And uh, we've got torches, but, okay, they're not the greatest torches, okay? This is back, like, uh, about 1912, all right? So <laughs> it feels that long, okay? Before electricity. So we're walking through this place, and, and you can hear little noises here, and there's water dripping there and stuff like that. And, uh, and it's, it's scary because, you know, you're hyped up. You're, you're just a new policeman. You only just put your, your, your uniform on, and they've only just let you loose on the public. And we're walking through this place, and it's really pitch black and dark and stuff. And my, my mate is, is walking through just in front of me, and you know those light switches that are on the string that hang down from the ceiling? One of those has touched my buddy on his shoulder, and he's bolted. And because he's bolted, I'm thinking, he's got it. He's running for a reason. I'm running too. I'm not going to be left here on my own. So I bolted as well. Fear is contagious, I've got to tell you. Okay? It's, it's real. You can catch fear from other people. Another thing about fear is it's limiting. It actually limits us. It stops us doing things. It stops us moving forward or speaking up. It stops us making changes in our lives It stops us sharing Jesus. It stops us being generous and reaching or achieving our dreams in life. Fear limits us. 
The other thing about fear is it's draining. It's depleting. You get worn out worrying. You get worn out jumping to conclusions. More people get fit jumping to conclusions than actually doing exercise. Here's another thing about fear. We know the most important thing about fear is that God doesn't want us to have it. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, our theme verse, if you will, in Christ we come before God with freedom and without fear. God does not want us to have fear. So we can do this because of our faith in Christ. I want to spend a few weeks talking about how to overcome fear. Does it, do you think that that's going to help anybody here today? It might not be for you. It might be the person sitting next to you. Okay, it might be for those. It might be for your neighbor. It might be for your work colleague. I was out running this week on Monday, and I'm 2Ks into my run. And as I, I'm 2Ks in, I, I suddenly felt this great big twinge. Like a, a, a pull, I knew I'd pulled a muscle in my right calf muscle. And I, I'm, I still got, like, I want to commit do 10Ks. That's how much I wanted to run, okay? So 2Ks in, and I get this, and I, started, I stopped immediately. And I was, oh, that hurts, you know? And it, I was limping and the, the whole deal, and, uh, and I had this fear rise up within me. What if I'm never going to be able to run, run, run again? And it's just one of those stupid thoughts that you get coming in into your head immediately. But at the same time that I thought that, I also had this other thought come into my mind, and I believe it's a God thought, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, what's stopping you? Really, what's stopping you? A bit of pain? And This is how my brain works. I love watching Special Forces stuff. Now, I'm not going to equate myself with a Special Forces person, <laughs> but I thought about those guys. But they have injuries, they have wounds and stuff like that, and it doesn't stop them. They continue to do what it is that they're called to do and they work through the pain, they work through their fear until they achieve their goal. I leaned forward and I started to run again. I ran with a limp, but I finished the 10Ks. And I was slower than I normally would be, but I didn't let it stop me because I wasn't about to let fear come into my heart and stop me from doing what I know that God has called me to do, and that is to get fit because I want to go the distance for my family, first of all, to, for Jane. I want to be around for Jane for as long as she can put up with me. <laughs> I want to be around for my children and my grandchildren. I want to be around for my great-grandchildren. I want to be around for this church and for this community because I believe that I have something to offer. I have something that God's got on my life that can affect this community. I am here because God has called me here. And I want to be as fit as I can possibly be to accomplish that purpose. And I didn't want fear to come into my heart to stop me. See, there's this whole thing about fears coming up within our, our, our lives. And, and too often, thoughts and fears stop us from reaching our dreams. They stop us from achieving our goals. They stop us from making those changes that we need to, to make. They stop us from evaluating where we are, where we want to go, because we don't think we're good enough to do that. We don't think we have enough skills, attributes, talents, uh, special abilities, whatever it is. We think that we can't do it, and, and therefore we talk ourselves out of it because we're afraid to actually succeed. 
And God wants us to succeed. God wants you to succeed in whatever it is that you're, you're, you're being called to do. Your call is different from mine. Mine is different from yours. But it's all going to take the same thing that we're going to need. And that's leaning into and trusting and fully relying on the person of God. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to establish something to do this? I want to lay a foundation this morning that's going to help us to build from from, uh, from this point forward, to overcome the fears. You know, I'm going to set this, this, uh, this foundation in place so then in the, in the coming weeks ahead, I can actually start to give you some practical things that will help you to understand how we can overcome fear. You ready for that this morning? Okay, so the bottom line is this. Okay, in, in, in doing this, this is, we've got to get this right. As, as the laying of the foundation... It, it, this is the, where the rubber meets the road. It's, it's just overcoming of our fears and everything else like that. So that I'm, I'm trying to make it simple, and it's just simply the ABCs. You ready for that? Okay. This is the ABC, the foundation of, of overcoming fear. This is the, the base thing. A is to accept. To ex- we accept God's love for us. B is to believe. We believe that Christ died and rose again for me. And C is to commit. We commit our fears and our life to Christ. So we're going to accept, we're going to believe, and we're going to commit. Okay, three things. The ABCs, we're going to accept, say that, we're going to accept, we're going to believe, and we're going to commit. I'm going to accept, I'm going to believe, and I'm going to commit. First one, in setting this foundation, accept God's love for me. 1 John 4, 18 says this. This, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Okay, so from this, the the Bible says that the opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. The opposite of love is fear, and the opposite of fear is love. See, love and fear can't operate in the same room. When love comes in the front door, fear leaves out the back. Love is the antidote to fear. See, there's three kinds of fear that we can have. The first sort of fear is the surface fear that we have. I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm going to run out of petrol. Those sorts of fears. Second level is the subconscious fears that we have. Things sitting down underneath the surface. Things like a fear of failure. A fear of being rejected, a fear of abandonment or of losing control, the fear of being out of uh, our depth, the fear of of not being good enough for a particular job. But those aren't the deepest fears. The, The deepest fear that we can have is what I call a soul fear. It's something that is so ingrained within the, the very fabric of who we are that it's just it's the root from which all other fears will flow from. So no matter how much we try to get rid of all the other fears, until we deal with this actual root soul fear, then it's not going to work, okay? Until we get healing in the deepest level of our lives, then we're still going to have the problems with all the surface fears and those subconscious fears. So what is the soul fear that we have? What is our deepest need? It's this. Our deepest need in life is to feel absolutely, totally, and unconditionally loved. That's it. That's, that is the, the, the root f- fear that we, we're never going to have someone just love us. You know, it's, it's like sometimes we say, you know what, some, you may not love me, okay, but we can like people. 
You know, it's like a... Um, I'm not explaining that very well. Even if you knew everything about me, you'd still like me. You'd still love me. You see, we, we give love based upon how good we think people are, not for who they are. Jesus gives us love because he is love, number one. And he just wants you to know that he loves you. See, our deepest need in life is to feel absolutely, totally, and unconditionally loved. Not for someone we could be or something that we should be, but just loved for who we are. That's our deepest inner need, and that's why perfect love casts out fear. Until this issue is resolved, church, we're going to be tormented by other fears. Only God can love us as much as we really need. Only God can do that. God doesn't love us randomly. He loves us consistently. He loves us every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year. He loves us consistently. And the thing is, if, if we try to get from other people what only God can give us, we're going to be disappointed and let down over and over again. If we never get to know God, or if we just have this religious belief about God, or if we drift away from having a close, intimate relationship with God, then we are going to deal with these fear issues for the rest of our lives. The first step towards building a foundation from which we overcome fear is to accept God's love. Because where God's love is, there is no fear. People avoid God because they don't know what he's like or how much he loves them. Guilt causes us to run from God instead of running to God. This has been as old as the Garden of Eden because Adam messed up. God went looking for him. And what did he say? I hid because I was afraid. Guilt stops us from running to God and causes us to, to hide in fear, not recognizing that the compassion and the love of God has already forgiven us. That's his grace. He doesn't give us what we deserve. That's mercy. He gives us what we don't deserve, which is total acceptance and his forgiveness, which is grace. You okay this morning? Do you know that I love you and I care about you? Do you know that God loves you? Some say, we don't know what I've done. God, you know, I've blown it. God could never love me. Wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Romans 8, verse 38 to 39 says this. For I am convinced that neither life or death, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future, or any powers, neither depth or height or anything else in all of creation can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. God's never stopped loving us. It doesn't mean that he approves of everything that we do, but it's not going to stop him from loving us. 
The starting point to overcome fear is to accept God's love in my inner being. It's the one thing I, uh, to know about God's love. It's another thing to accept God's love. You can know about something, but to accept it is a completely different thing. See, we're never going to feel it until we first accept it. And that means saying to ourselves, yes, I receive your love, Lord God. I just want to know about you. I want to know you. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. See, God made us to love us. Sure, God wants us to love him back. So he sent Jesus to show us what God's like. To live a perfect life, to die on the cross for us and to rise again. And that leads me into the second point about what we need to have is this foundational thing. And see, first, we need to accept God's love, but we also need to believe that Christ rose, died and rose again for me. It's great to know that he's done it for the world, but we need to have a personal revelation of this. He did this for me. He need, we need to know that. We need to understand that. See, like I said, it's one thing to believe about something. It's another thing to believe in something. It's, it's one thing to believe about a person. It's another thing to believe in a person. And it's more than just head knowledge. It's not just believing about it, but it's believing in it. See, the Greek word for believe is to trust in, to cling to, to rely on, to adhere to, to commit to. See, I believe in, in Dennis Hood, but I'm not a politician. Okay? I believe in Maccas, but I'm not a Big Mac. The other thing is, I believe in Jesus and I am a Christian. Why? Because I've committed myself. I've given myself completely to Christ. I don't know, just know about Jesus. I know Jesus. Because I'm walking with him. I'm committing myself to him. See, it's like the chairs that you're sitting on. You can say to me... I believe that this chair will hold me up. It's one thing, thing to say that we believe it, but it's another thing to sit down on it. The moment we sat on it, we took a real step of faith. See, if we believe in Jesus, what difference will it make? You can ask yourself that. Well, here's it. Here's it. If we believe in Jesus and what he says about salvation, then we don't need to fear death anymore. It's like Althea said in communion. Hebrews 2 verses 14 to 15 says this. Listen to this. By embracing death, Jesus destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who live scared to death by death. Only then could he deliver those who through fear of death have been living their lives as slaves to a constant dread. Do you want me to say that again? Okay. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 15. By embracing death, Jesus destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who live scared to death by death. If you were living scared to death by death, if you just had a horror of, of dying, Jesus has defeated that for you. He's freed you from that because now you can know that there is salvation and such a great life ahead for you. He says, only then can, could he deliver those who through the fear of death have been living their lives as slaves to constant dread. Why don't, you know, this is true. People don't like to talk about death. Why? 
Well, number one, they don't know what's going to happen afterwards. And number two, they're not ready to meet God. That's why you fear death. I'm not afraid to die today. Okay? I've known God for a long time, and many of you too have. You have a relationship with Christ. He's my friend, and when I die, I'm going to be with him. I'm not afraid of that. It doesn't frighten me at all, because I know that my future is secure. We need Jesus in our life. We need a relationship with God, not because we're going to, do, to die today. Well, probably not. That was a joke, right? Okay? Lighten up. Come on. <laughs> we need Christ in our life someday. Because someday we will die. And only a fool goes through life unprepared for what they know is inevitable. So we need to be prepared. Romans 10.11 says, Anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed. What's heaven going to be like? Well, there's not a great deal that's written about it in the Bible. There is a little bit, but there's not a great deal, okay? What I do know is that God took six days to create the, the heavens and the earth, okay, the earth in particular. I've got to tell you, I'm having a ball from what he's made in six days. And I want to tell you right now, he's had centuries to work on heaven. Can you imagine 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard. No one's ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Sila, pause, ponder, think about, meditate upon this. We can't imagine it, but God guarantees we won't be disappointed. And I love that about God. This is the third thing we need to do, is setting this foundation from which we need to build our lives to overcome fear from. We need to commit. So first of all, we accept God's love for us. We believe that Christ died for, uh, and rose again for us. And thirdly, we need to commit our fears and our life to Christ. A, B, C. Accept, believe, commit. 1 Peter 3, verses 14 to 15 says, Don't be afraid of anyone and don't worry, but have reverence for Christ in your heart and, and honour him as Lord. I'm going to take a quick survey. Okay, you ready? How many of us would say, I try to follow the Ten Commandments? Yep, okay, cool. How many of us would say, I know the Ten Commandments? I kept my arm down. I'm going to go into that one. How many of us would say we, we could say the Ten Commandments? You're frightened. I'm going to say, see, there's fear here right now. You're frightened. I'm going to say, come up here. I won't do that. I won't, I'm not going to do that. How many of us think we could say the Ten Commandments? A few more hands have gone up now because the fear's passed. How many of us have ever seen the Ten Commandments? Charlton Heston, come on. Golden oldie, right there. So, so how, many, how many of us know what the first commandment is? Okay. 
Almost. You cheating? She's got her iPhone in front. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Facebook? It's not Facebook. She's taking notes. Just kidding. She's got a fear now of ever speaking in public again to me. No, she hasn't. No, she hasn't. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, and it's exactly what Christiane said. You must have no other God but me. See, that's the number one. God's number one in his ten is no other gods. See, the Bible calls it idolatry. Idolatry is any time we put anything, any person, any career, any job, any decision, anything first place in, that, in the place that God should occupy. It may be a good thing, but if it's first place in that place where God ought to be, then we've made that thing God instead of God. It has greater importance and a say in our lives than God actually does. Stuff like our house may be God, our job, our bank account, your girlfriend or your boyfriend, but it's still called idolatry. Anytime we let this happen, we're setting ourselves up for fear because we weren't made to live that way. Anything, anytime anything else besides God becomes more important in our lives, it can be taken away from us. So therefore, we start to develop a fear about that various thing. So as an example, if pleasing others is the most important thing in our lives, then we will de- likely to develop a fear about losing the approval of others. If making more money in life is the number one goal of our lives, then we will likely develop a fear over losing it. If getting married is the most important thing in our lives, then we may develop a fear about never getting married or losing the marriage that we've got. If success is the most important thing in our lives, then it's likely that we would develop a fear of failure. See, idolatry equals fear. It takes the place of God anytime we put something in the place that God should occupy. Think about what makes us afraid. Is there any chance that the issue could be competing with God in my life? I've identified the fear of heights with me. It's just a lack of trust in God sustaining me in a high-rise building and looking out the window up close, really close. You know how sick Jane is? (laughs) On Facebook this week, she tagged me into a video. I wish I'd have put this up on the screen for you, but... I want you to picture this is a high-rise area, and it must be some sort of observation area that you can see. There's these windows in a tower. There's these windows right across there, but they're, they're, the windows are wide enough for a person to stand there and to hold on to the sides uh, like that. Okay, So they might, maybe a meter at most wide. Okay, This is some person who's obviously mentally deranged has thought that it's a brilliant idea that these windows, when you're holding onto them, that they suddenly lean forward like this, out over the precipice. I'm saying, that's sick. That's just not right. Welcome to my wife who tagged me in on that one. Hey, knows how to push my buttons. Helping me conquer my fear, is it? Okay. I, I, look, I'm talking about I'm bursting out in a sweat. I've got a serious fear of heights. I really do. I just hate them. I get a nosebleed looking at my toes. I don't, I'm not that bad. 
So, I, I've identified that with myself, that I have this fear of heights. And I know that at a basic level, if I was to dig down onto that, there's a lack of trust in who God is to sustain me and keep me alive. There's a lack of trust in his call on my life. So let me ask you this morning, is there something, something in your life, a fear that if you were to drill down and think about that just a little bit deeper than just a surface level, is there something there that has replaced God from being first place in your life? See, when I, the fear of heights, I won't go up into a building that's got an observation tower and stuff like that. Because at a level, I want to control the outcome. I want to take control of my life in that, that area. So therefore, I've taken the control out of God's hands and put it back into mine and elevated my fear above who God is. Is this making sense? What, what is that fear? Listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. I've read it a little bit before. Don't be afraid of anyone and don't worry, but have reverence for Christ in your heart and honor him as Lord. Lord. It's not a word we use a lot of in Australia because we don't have many lords and ladies and counts and duchesses in Australia because we live in a democracy. We don't live in a society that's based upon a hierarchical system. Now, we do have a hierarchy in our culture, but it's not as plainly obvious as lords and ladies and stuff. It says to honour Christ as Lord. What does it mean to be Lord? In the nutshell, it means he's the boss. He, he's the one that calls the shots. It's, he's the owner. It's, it's where we actually get the derivative of landlord. We have a landlord. Okay? It's based in that they're the one that calls the shots. We're the renters. We're the occupiers that pay a rent. And I'm not, that's not what I'm saying about what God's saying, us renting on the earth. See, if we really make Christ the Lord of our life, then he becomes the only person that we have to please. Is that going to help to simplify your life, maybe? Is that going to help us? If, if he's, he's the only one that we have to answer to, the only one that we have to obey, he's the only one we have to please, is that likely to help simplify our life? Do we think it might reduce the stress, release the tension? If we're trying to please 50 people in our lives, but instead of doing that, we chose to please one, the Lord. Just doing what he says. Doesn't it just make sense? 
Let God be God. We need to resign as the general manager of the universe. Now, I don't know about you, okay, but I went to bed last night, okay, and then I slept, and then I woke up this morning, and the world still managed to go on. I'm in the nerve. Surely there was a glitch here or there, you know, that, that sort of like put the, the planet out of alignment with the rest of the planets and it managed to somehow go on without me and I had to sleep. As long as we try to be God, we will be f- likely to be filled with fear and worry. We can't handle it all ourselves. See, warning is actually a warning light. Worry is a warning light. Worry is a warning light that says two things. Number one, it says that something's become too important to me, so I'm worrying about it. It's more important than it should be. It's taking first place in my life. The second thing that worry is a warning light about, it says that it means that I'm trying to solve it. I'm trying to solve that problem by worrying about it. We try to play God. We're trying to control the issue. It just doesn't work. What we need to do is to commit our fears and our life to Christ. And this is what we can expect. When we do this, when we commit our lives and our fears to Christ, this is what we can do. This is what we can expect in life. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says this. And this is out of the Message Bible. Okay, that This resurrection life you receive from God isn't a timid, grave-tending life. It's extravagantly uh, adventurous, it's expectant, it's greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? What's next, Daddy? What, what can we do together, Dad, Father God? The Christian life, the life that God means for us is like an adventure. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Not that you would have death, not that you would have worry, Not that you would just survive, that you would have life. So what fear is keeping us from fully living? Maybe you feel like things aren't fitting together right. Maybe you felt like things aren't falling into place and you've got this feeling of of a sense of incompleteness. And you've asked, what am I here for? What's the purpose of my life? Is this all that I can expect in my life? Is that the only thing that I can expect in my life? So I actually believe that the feelings that you're having in that regard is actually God putting a hunger in you for your life. He's saying to you, I know you and I want you to know me. I made you, I love you, and I've watched every moment of your life from the moment that you were conceived and even before then. He's putting in you a dissatisfaction saying, there's got to be more to life than this. And I want to tell you this morning, there is. There is. There's more to life than what we're living today. There's a God-shaped vacuum in each of us. Nothing else can fill that. If we don't fill it with God, then it's likely we will fill it with fear or something else. And then just wonder why we're stressed out, why we worry, why we're uptight all the time, why it doesn't seem that things work out the way that we thought that they should. Nothing else can substitute for God. It doesn't matter how much human affirmation that we get or how many awards we win, how many achievements we get, how many possessions we collect. Nothing can substitute for God in our lives. Jesus came out of an empty tomb to fill our empty heart with his love. 
There is no fear in love. Is it time to accept God's love for you? Is it time that we believed that he died and rose again for me? Is it time to commit our lives and our fears to Christ once more? Let's stand.